What is going on, Pooch Crew? Thank you for being here for episode 135 of the Poochie Podcast. Please subscribe to the channel or go find us on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Great episode for you today. We're going to dive into the Jaguars versus Colts matchup. If you've not already done so, episode 134 came out yesterday previewing week two of the NFL and kicked off last night with the Chargers at the Chiefs game, which was on my list of most exciting games for week two, and it lived up to expectations with the Chiefs eking out a victory 27-24, outscoring the Chargers after the first quarter, after the second half, pretty much. It was 10-7 at halftime. Chiefs come back and take control of the game and win, uh, helped by a pick six at the one-yard line that Justin Herbert threw to rookie cornerback Watson and returned it all the way for a touchdown. But a fun game, great game to watch between two great quarterbacks, Justin Herbert looks injured, but he might be okay. Jags play the Chargers next week at the 4 o'clock window on the West Coast in L.A., so something to keep an eye on. But enough about that. I know you're here for Jaguar talk and Jaguar content, and chances are if you're watching this video, you watched the Jaguars versus Commander game last week, and if you didn't, it's on right behind me. If you can see, looks a little bit color-saturated, weird, I don't know, but you might be able to see some of the plays on behind me. Um, Won't go too deep into the Jaguars versus Commanders game, but as we all know, Commanders 28, Jags 22 last week. Heartbreaking loss. It felt like the Jaguars had that game in control in the second half. Jags allowed two touchdowns early in the game, 14-3 at the half. Came out firing, scored 19 unanswered points to take a 22-14 lead. Allowed the Commanders to score two touchdowns on their final two drives to win the game and lose the uh, Jaguars lose the game 28-22. So we'll dive into that real quick. Let's take a look at the good from that game. The good was the offense moving the ball. I know there's been a lot of criticism with Trevor Lawrence, but I think that's in large part due to the fact that the team is not scoring in the red zone, which we'll get to in a second, but the team's moving the ball, which I like to see. It looks like they're getting involved with all the receivers. Christian Kirk had a great game, seven catches, 113 yards, I believe it was, for Christian Kirk. Travis Etienne was getting involved as well, had a nice catch up the seam as well as some runs uh, for for chunk yardage. And James Robinson also played well. Let me get some exact stats for you here from that game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 24-42, you do not like to see that, but 275 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. James Robinson, 11 carries, 66 yards. That dude is not missing a beat. And Travis Etienne, four carries for 47 yards. All totaling, the Jaguars were averaging 6.8 yards per carry. They also had a touchdown on the ground. Christian Kirk, six catches, 117 yards. Zay Jones, six catches, 65 yards. Marvin Jones, four catches, 38 yards, and so on. Evan Ingram even got involved with four catches and 28 yards as well. So the team was moving the ball. If you look at the total yards from last week, you're looking well over 300 yards or 400 yards, excuse me. Uh, Right at 400 yards, actually. So uh, team moved the ball well, 22 points, highest scoring team in the AFC South, which isn't saying a lot. But let's take a look at the bad. The bad was the defense in in most parts, especially Shaquille Griffin. I was very disappointed in Shaquille Griffin and his coverage allowed a 50 plus yard bomb to Terry McLaurin, which definitely brought the commanders back in the game. They were able to get a touchdown there to bring it back to 22 to 20 and uh, then proceed it by another touchdown to Jahan Dotson, I think with Tyson Campbell on the coverage there. So uh, coverage needs some work, especially on those deep passes, deep routes by uh, by the opposition. Uh, Two touchdowns late, like I mentioned, just not good. And the ugly uh, tackling. Tackling was extremely ugly. I think the Jaguars graded as one of the bottom five teams in team tackling last week. 
Um, not a lot uh, to be proud of if you're a Jags fan. Uh, Antonio Gibson was able to get in space. Curtis Samuel able to get in space, make a few guys miss uh, and, and get some yards there. Um, the ugly as well. Uh, third down conversions on defense. They allowed the, the the Washington commanders to pick up seven of 10 third down conversions. And a lot of those were actually third and longs. There was a Curtis Samuel pass uh, or a Terry McLaurin catch that was about one yard past the line of scrimmage, made a few men miss and got to the first down. And even on the final drive of the game, two third and longs convert. It could have totally changed the outcome of the game had they been able to step up and make the stop. But the, the commanders were able to continue the drive. Um, so third down conversions by the defense were just ugly. And then red zone efficiency, two touchdowns in five trips with only three total scoring plays with a field goal to open the game. And then two touchdowns in the second half. Other two drives ended in a turnover on downs uh, and a missed field goal right before the half. So uh, just really not good there. We'd like to see more points on the board. This team easily could have won the game last week. Should have been looking at a halftime draw or even potential halftime lead if you're the Jaguars with how much they were moving the ball into the red zone. And it seemed like uh, they just had a Band-Aid on a bullet hole uh, the whole the whole game. The defense was stepping up, keeping the offense in the game. And as the offense wasn't converting and as the offense was settling for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, you just kind of started to get this feeling that the commanders were maybe going to get a touchdown and a field goal to win the game. Uh, they ended up going down to get a touchdown and then another touchdown to win the game. And the Jaguars were not able to uh, drive down the field with a minute 30 left. Trevor Lawrence was incapable of moving the team down the field. Granite needed a touchdown there to end the game to win. Uh, did not happen for the Jaguars, so a bummer of a loss. But enough about that. You know what happened last week. You saw what happened in the game. Defense needs to step up. Offense needs to keep the ball rolling and keep the ball moving. Uh, stop the criticism of Trevor Lawrence, first and foremost. Uh, he he was moving the ball last week. We need to continue supporting him. I think he's a fine quarterback. Obviously, some growing pains. Take year one under Urban Meyer and throw it out the window because this is in my opinion, uh, even though it's not his rookie season, it's his uh, first season under a competent regime with competent coaching. So I'm excited to see the strides he can make this week. And Doug Peterson just feels like he's got things under control, which is always nice. He's calm and collected. But Jaguars versus the Colts, 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, week two of the NFL. And it's going to be a fun game. There's a lot of storylines heading into this game, including the AFC South going winless through week one. We saw the Titans lose to the Giants uh, last second, and then uh, last second missed field goal by the Titans by Randy Bullock. Jaguars, like I mentioned, losing to the Washington Commanders, and the Colts and the Texans with a draw. Uh, missed field goal by Rodrigo Blankenship, got him cut. So uh, what do the Colts do? They go out and they try out two former uh, Jaguar kickers, uh, Matthew Wright in, uh, being one of them. So uh, there's going to be some interesting storylines around the Colts kicking situation. Rodrigo Blankenship missing a 42-yard game winner in overtime. He was cut the next day. But the AFC South still winless going into week two, which is kind of interesting uh, to see and considering two teams played each other. Uh, Colts playoffs hopes collapsed last year here in Jacksonville in week 18. The Jaguars were able to pull out the victory. We've talked about that before. Granite. This is a new team with Matt Ryan at the helm for the Colts. We're not looking at a Carson Wentz-led Colts team. We are looking at a Matt Ryan-led Colts team, so maybe that changes up the juju for them. But nonetheless, they're walking into a building that saw their playoff hopes die. All they had to do last year was win Week 18 at Jacksonville. Did not get the job done. Jaguars walked away with the victory in that game. So that's a storyline to watch. Matt Ryan 
4-0 versus the Jags uh, coming into this one. Granted, all four victories were with the Atlanta Falcons, two of them being within the last three seasons, 2019, and the additional 17th game last year was the Falcons game in Jacksonville in 2021. Overall, he's got a pretty good rating of 93.6 against the Jags, but his touchdowns to interceptions, he's got six touchdowns and four interceptions, so that's nothing too crazy as far as production. He's only got one touchdown passing in the last three attempts versus Jacksonville, dating back to 2015. Um, So something to keep an eye on there. Obviously, he's a game manager. There was one point where it felt like uh, Matt Ryan was a game winner uh, for the Falcons. He's since turned into a game manager, it feels like. But Matt Ryan, 4-0 versus the Jaguars. But on the flip flip side, Jaguars, 7-0 versus the Colts in the last seven seasons, 8-6 and overall. This is a team that they've had great success with over the last seven seasons, even when the team has only won two to three games a season. I think they've only won five home games in Jacksonville uh, in the last four seasons, and three of them are versus the Colts. So that's something to keep an eye on. But dating back to the Gus Bradley days, the Blake Bortles rookie season, uh, Adam Vinatieri still on the Colts, Andrew Luck still on the Colts. Uh, Those were the last times that the Colts beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. So will the Jaguars be able to keep that streak alive? One of these is going to have a loss. Either Matt Ryan 4-1 versus the Jags or the Jags 7-1 versus the Colts at home in the last eight seasons. That's going to be something to watch. But let's get to some keys of the game in this one. Uh, for the Jaguars versus the Colts. And the first and obvious uh, key to the game is going to be keeping Jonathan Taylor in check. I mean, you can't overstate this enough. He's one of the best running backs in the league. And the Colts are extremely committed to Jonathan Taylor, uh, so much so that over 100 of his rushing yards last week came while the team was losing in a game to the Texans. So this team did not abandon the run. This team was committed to Jonathan Taylor running the ball, and it worked out pretty well for them. They were able to get uh, some good yards from Jonathan Taylor uh, on the ground, 31 carries for 161 yards and a touchdown. Um, you just can't let that happen if you're the Jaguars. Uh, obviously, the Colts have a, ga- a game plan, and you get rid of Carson Wentz, you bring in Matt Ryan, but you don't necessarily expect much of an uptick in quarterback production there. Um, you're just expecting Jonathan Taylor to lead the way there. Um, so it's it's interesting to me that even when they were down 20 to three, they were still feeding Jonathan Taylor. He averaged five and a, uh, 5.2 yards on the ground in this game against the Texans. So the Jaguars are going to have to do a good job against uh, Jonathan Taylor in this one, which honestly, when I look at it, you know, looking back to last game against the commanders, uh, the Jaguars did only allow 85 yards on the ground. Um, to the to the commanders, 58 to Antonio Gibson, 17 to Curtis Samuel on four rushing attempts there. So Jaguars run defense last week looked great. But if you watched last week's episode, I said the thing that I was scared most of was Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick catching passes out of the backfield. And that's exactly where they beat the Jags last week. Antonio Gibson, seven catches for 72 yards. He was their leading receiver last week. Seven catches, 72 yards, and J.D. McKissick, three catches for 20 yards on three targets. So obviously this team uh, has difficulties defending against running backs, receiving the ball, um, not so much as rushing the ball. We'll see what the Jags do with Jonathan Taylor uh, receiving uh, passes this week out of the backfield. I don't expect much of that, but I do think we're going to see a lot of uh, runs up the middle and off tackle by Jonathan Taylor. So the Jags need to keep that in check. 
In fact, Jonathan Taylor, only four rushes, uh, four, four catches for 14 yards last week against the, the Texans. So second key to the game is going to be pressure on Matt Ryan. Um, he is a, a good quarterback with a clean pocket when he does uh, get in under pressure. Those, those stats kind of drop. If you look at his 2021 rankings, he uh, was graded by PFF 87.8 in a clean pocket. And that dropped all the way down to 53.6 in a pressure pocket. He did, however, still complete almost 50% of his passes, uh, just under more like 45% of his passes uh, under pressure, averaging 6.4 yards per pressured drop back, which was extremely high in the league. I think that was second second highest average yards per pass in the league uh, or per, per completion in the league last year. So uh, get Matt Ryan under pressure. Um, you're going to see his uh, his passer rating drop. You're going to see some p- bad decision making. And this is a guy that just passed 60,000 passing yards last week against the Texans. I think he's uh, one of a handful of of quarterbacks to actually throw for over 60,000 yards in his career. Um, he does have, I think, 378. Let me see if I have the statistics here. 378 uh, career touchdowns to 171 uh, interceptions, if that's correct. I hope it is. But yeah, 368 368 touchdowns, uh, 171 interceptions. So he's just got above a two-to-one two t- touchdown to, to interception ratio um, there as well. So this isn't a guy that, at this point in his career, scares you too much as far as uh, you know putting up massive numbers, 300 plus yards through the air, um, but more so just managing the game, giving that ball to Jonathan Taylor. And last but not least, let's go ahead and limit Michael Pittman Jr. Um, A lot of people were calling for a breakout season from Michael Pittman Jr. And I think that's exactly what we saw in week one, nine catches on 13 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown, including a late touchdown that tied the game at 22-20 for the Colts. Um, so obviously this team wants to get Michael Pittman involved when they are passing. Um, the only other receivers on the Colts uh, behind 13 targets was six targets for two receivers and six catches for 50 yards and three catches for 46 yards. Uh, and that was by Naheem Hines, a running back and a rookie Dublin, some guy named Dublin. Not even going to lie. I have no idea who that is. So Michael Pittman is really the guy you're going to want to look out for in this game at the receiver position. But, you didn't need me to tell you that. You know that because he is a great receiver uh, for the Colts. For the Jags, keys to the game, run the damn ball. Last week, 42 passes and only 15 runs between James Robinson and uh, Travis Etienne. So you look at what the Jags did last week. They were they were passing the ball. Um, I, I Doug Peterson had a quote in his press conference. I think he said, you pass the ball to score, you run the ball to win. Well, even when the Jags were winning 22 to 14, they still were not running the ball enough. I think they put a little bit too much pressure on Trevor Lawrence to try and move the ball when they had two running backs averaging over six yards per carry. Six yards per carry. Like I said earlier, James Robinson, 11 carries, 66 yards. ETN, four carries for 47 yards. When you're seeing those numbers, you have to feed these guys the ball. You cannot go away from the run, especially when you're up in a game. Now, I get it if the if the, the shoe's on the other foot and you're down, you want to pass, you want to try and play catch-up, but asking Trevor Lawrence to throw the ball 42 times is a bit much when you have a backfield that's led by two very capable running backs. 
uh, in James Robinson and Travis Etienne. So for the Jags to win this game, they are going to have to run the ball in this game. And hopefully week one was a good barometer uh, for the Jags to see what James Robinson um, was capable of as, as far as his health. And he looked like he was back to the old James Robinson that we all know and love. And Travis Etienne getting involved too was a great added bonus cherry on top there for the Jaguars rushing game and convert in the red zone. As I mentioned earlier, five red zone possessions last week for the Jaguars, only two touchdowns, a field goal and a turnover on downs on a dropped fourth down and a missed field goal as well. So to, you got You got to score touchdowns in the red zone. I mean, this isn't college. You're in the professional football league. You're in the NFL. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to have to score touchdowns to win games. We saw that last week. Field goals are not going to cut it uh, for a team like the Jaguars specifically, um, especially when you have plenty of opportunities in the red zone. You know, five five red zone uh, visits seems a little bit uh, unusual for Jags fans. But like I said, the team is moving the ball last week, but you have to convert. And this was an issue that we saw happen in the preseason, and we were hoping to see it corrected by the regular season. Hopefully we continue to see more uh, more kinks worked out and see the Jaguars do a little bit better in the red zone. And last but not least, better blitz efficiency. No stats really on this one, but if you watched the game last week, uh, you saw a lot of plays on defense where the Jaguars bought, brought one or two extra defenders towards Carson Wentz, and it did them no help. I mean, the the the, the, the commanders were able to pass the ball almost at will against this Jaguar secondary and blitzing did not help at all. Um, I don't even think the commander's offensive line is anything special. Uh, the, the Jaguars blitzing schemes were just not there. If you're going to bring pressure and you know that you have a struggling secondary on the back end, you need to get home. You need to collapse the pocket. You cannot let uh, Matt Ryan get, get enough time in the pocket to find an open receiver. And I'm also afraid about the blitz. If uh, they start blitzing and they start feeding Jonathan Taylor and, and they start beating our blitz by running the ball past our blitzers, like that's a very uh, logical uh, fix to a blitzing defense is to run the ball. So it would have been uh, nice to see the Jags run the ball more last week against the commanders. And I think this week we have to see better blitz efficiency Jaguars up against the Colts in this one. So that's really all I got for this one. It's going to be a fun one. Obviously the home opener for the Jaguars looking to get to one and one in a pretty favorable game. Uh, I don't think this division's anything special. I think we saw a decline in the Titans last week against the Giants. I think what we saw from the Colts is close to their ceiling. It's close to what we're going to get from the Colts week in and week out. Jaguars uh, played well enough to win last week. Unfortunately, didn't get the job done. But I hope the bank is rocking on Sunday at one o'clock. Looks like the weather's going to be a little crappy. Maybe that lends more towards a running game uh, for the Jaguars and maybe uh, even for the Colts. So this could just be a ground and pound game for these two teams, which if that's the case, Jonathan Taylor might have his way with this defense. But at the same time, I think James Robinson and Travis Etienne are very capable counter punches to anything Jonathan Taylor throws at the Jaguars. So appreciate you being here. Uh, score prediction. I should give you guys a score prediction. I don't really uh, plan this out in advance, but in this one, I'm going to go, if it is a slower paced game and we are running the ball a lot and the Colts are running the ball a lot, I'm going to go with a 23-21. You know what? I'll go with a Jaguars victory in this one. 23-21 Jaguars take this game from the Colts, extend that streak to 8-0, 
uh, at home against the the Colts over the last eight seasons and get to one and one and a pretty stronghold on the division. And hey, at the end of this week, the Jaguars could see themselves in the driver's seat for the AFC South, which is saying a lot for a team that has not been able to say that in a long time. Texans versus the Broncos. I expect the Broncos to have a bounce back game and the Bills versus the Titans. I think the Bills are the best team in the league. Again, go watch episode 134. It should be somewhere around this video towards the end of the video or go find it on the page. And please subscribe as well to the the, the channel and help us grow any way you can uh, to, to support the podcast. So appreciate you all being here. Go subscribe, go like, share the video and comment your thoughts below. But thank you again. Go enjoy some college football tomorrow. But whatever you do, go make this world a better place and take care.